so uh, words are confusing so I'll add to the confusion today (laughs) hopefully we'll get some chinks of light peering through the the verbiage Um, talk about self-acceptance and personality and not self how can you have self-acceptance if there's no self to accept (laughs) it's the use of words (coughs) so what we probably experience is there's some sense of being something though what we are changes moods, sensations, feelings It's a relational experience of identification with the sensation, appearance, mental pattern, mental habit, speech habit, place, person, other people. Identification means there's a a relationship there whereby that which is moving and changing feels a sense of consistency that is here here, there's that again there's a set pattern so this is obviously very handy because we don't have to wake up every morning and figure out how to clean our teeth what our partner's name is which shoe goes on which foot, how to get to work. <laughs> You've got these set patterns which are already there, you know. So this I you you know, you, you take them as a support, so you've got some guidelines for your day. And this is the function of the personality which everyone has and develops over time. We have the potential for it as a small infant but we don't really have much of a personality as a as a tiny tot but it gradually develops we have the potential there and it starts to develop and it gradually develops <coughs> into a kind of very full and detailed um, set of responses and reactions and strategies and behaviors you know forceful personality gentle personality someone who's inquiring or shy uh, leader or a follower, you know, these sorts of things. And mostly we've got all kinds of, we're not one thing, we're several. And that occurs because of our relationship with (coughs) the body, with our family, immediate family, with our friends, with the society, and with our inclinations, what we can actually bring forth from our mind. So people who can be creative actually enjoy bringing forth. Other people rather, you know, hesitant about doing that, bringing things forth. I like to just listen, enjoy others. You know, so it takes different forms. This is the personality. Everyone has one. <coughs> so even the beings we look around and consider who's the we consider most realized beings I don't know who your list of great beings is but they've all got some kind of personality generally pleasant humorous or powerful or 
impressive in some way, but you see something, you don't see a nothing. <laughs> yeah. Ajahn Chah, the personality, can be very humorous, loving, gentle, stern, spacious. And as with a, a really well-developed personalities, they flex and change in accordance with circumstances because they're not held as self. And when a personality is held as a self, as some kind of consistent, undying thing that you have to be all the time, it starts to become rigid because it's no longer in relationship with a context and a situation. It's kind of held as an image. Then it becomes a mask. Yeah, you get stuck in it. So you get, uh, and then that's problematic. Yeah. So when a personality is held as a, the difference between personality and self is personality is a set of programs at the interface between our inner realities, which are all shifting, moving around, and our so-called outer realities, which is the world of society, other people. How are we going to actually meet? How are we gonna, what are we going to bring forth into that? So that's that's personality does that. Yeah. What's the best way to bring things forth? As you study and practice, gradually your personality will change in a skillful way because you'll be able to see really clearly what are the good things to bring forth and how to bring them forth. So by and large, in terms of Dhamma practice, what happens is your personality becomes more balanced, more um, skillful, uh, perhaps more interest, more attractive, more benevolent, because you've learned how to bring skillful things forth. And there are certain um, key, two key qualities specifically that help to guide the personality. In a way, I've already touched on them. It's it's self and others. And these two qualities are called hiri and otapa. And hiri means. Um, I want to do things that I feel respect for. I don't want to feel that this is unworthy of me. Yeah. They're not just bringing forth unskillful states that I'm going to sit and live with and feel regret over after. It's all to bring forth what's really worthy. Hmm. So this is called hearing. It's a, it's a sense of conscience. And also, I want to bring forth things in relationship to other people that do not abuse them. Whether they take how they take it or not, of course, is up to them. But my intention will be non-abusive, um, kindly, non-pressurizing. I have a concern for the welfare of others. Yeah. So, and then also with that, also I want to be able to hear. So, if I'm doing things out of uh, disruptive, harmful, I want to be able to hear that and keep <laughs> adjusting that. So, because we can't always get it right. You know, you mean well, but actually, you know, you're ham-fisted or you're clumsy or you whatever. Somebody says, well, actually very well, but if you did this and didn't do that, oh, okay. <coughs> so you're just trying to improve your game, really. If you take your personality as self, you get very defensive. Like, I'm doing the best I can. Get off my case, you know. Who do you think you are? You're always getting at me, you know. Get defensive. Because you take your personality as self rather than just a game like playing billiards or football or something. You know, so you do some improvement here. <laughs> so there's a difference between personality and selfhood. Selfhood is always that inclination towards something that is secure and steady and unchanging. 
becomes solid. Personality, we are allowing us that flexing in relationship with bodies, other people, society, and so forth. So you're just checking out. What's called one of the main hindrances, in fact, the first, what is called a primary fetter, is called personality view. This doesn't mean the view that you have a personality, but the view that you take personality to be what you are. But you can see very obviously this does become a fetter because then you're always trying to be you know, famous, wonderful, attractive, interesting on the ball and you get very defensive when people tell you you're not. <laughs> and so you see famous people often are rather like this. You know, they want to be uh, they're always bright, have the right answers. Politicians are glib. They've always got a correct answer for everything. They can never say, oh, dang it, I got it wrong there. You know, wow, that was stupid of me. They always go, oh, no, well, the figures are... <laughs> you know they're lying through their teeth. <laughs> they know they're lying. They know you know they're lying, but they still keep going. <laughs> and, of course, uh, you know, famous actors and so forth, starlets, are we trying to be something or the other, and many of them just crack up under the strain of it, don't they? You know, they're trying to sustain this, I am wonderful, I am glamorous, I am brave, I am whatever, you know. So they just end up drinking or taking drugs because of the strain of doing that, uh, trying to be wonderful, and uh, not being able to be mundane. You know. Because you want to be this particular shining personality all the time, which can't be. Everybody's going to go to the toilet. Everybody's going to get sleepy and sick. Everybody's going to wake up feeling a bit groggy. You know, everybody trying to, you know, having fumbling moments in their minds. You know? So, but then this world of personality does become a big sell point, doesn't it? And. Uh, in presentation, the, the celluloid, the images, and so on. Sometimes you want a personality to be, I'm really a degraded personality, I'm really wild, you know. But you can't even be degraded all the time. You, know, you end up kind of trying to be some depraved rock star, and then the, the news leaks out that you love your mother. <laughs> you <know? laughs> or you. Or you've, got, or you've got a pet budgery girl or something. It ruins your image because you're supposed to be nasty and wicked and savage and mean. <laughs> that really is bad news if you're a degraded rock star. You know, you're not scummy enough. So, <laughs> so this is what's called personality view. <laughs> yeah. and attaching to self to it. And it, it's obviously not something that just famous people have. We all have that. It's just said only people who've got a degree of realizations are free of this. So uh, that can be that that nervous sort of adjusting yourself in the mirror. Am I okay? Am I okay with the group? You know, you're falling asleep in the meditations. You get a nod. I wasn't sleeping. I was going to samadhi. <laughs> <laughs> sound, you know. (laughs) (laughs) 
remember I was doing this one time I was at a Buddhist society summer school I was sitting there and this other monk was sitting in the morning and, oh you know And then uh, after the after the session, woman came and said, "John, I wonder if you could tell me why do you and this other monk do this gesture with your heads? When you, <laughs> is it some sort of meditation technique?" So yeah, yeah, you get into it after a few years. You know. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody else is so tense and uptight, they can't get me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you know, here you're supposed to be teaching people to meditate and you're kind of, dang, you know. Because <laughs> you have your good days and your bad days like everyone else. <laughs> so it can arise around all kinds of things. You know, trying to look good in the group, not, you're not moving because nobody else is moving and your knees are giving you hell and you don't want to look like you're weak and so on. And this, uh, of course, this personality <coughs> also receives the feedback from other other people. You know, you're an idiot, you're stupid, get out of my way, kind of thing. So you take that personally. And that very, you know, it gets set, doesn't it? Because this is what what uh, an unenlightened being or being has no enlightenment does. The enlightenment is graduated, but the first stage is we come from is not not having any of it not being aligned at all so all those personality remarks tend to get held as self and we you know we get defensive or we get hurt and we feel that i really am you know stupid or lazy or not wanted or whatever and this even even you know think it cognitively still that emotional impression can be there a feeling of i'm not quite worthy and not really as good or as nice or as beautiful or whatever as everybody else so that and it, it stays there perhaps non-verbally as a sense of slightly contracted and uh, perhaps in your own body you know if you've been told oh shut up and be quiet shut up and be quiet and eventually you do shut up and be quiet <laughs> but you get this this contracted sense yeah Alternatively, of course, you can have this uh, uh, person who's always reaching out, you know, trying to reach other people. You feel alone or abandoned with something that's reaching out for approval or, or warmth or affection or whatever, or being made to feel okay. And these are the kind of things that, that happen for people, you know, subtle senses. But then you don't want to be seen as doing that, so you have ways of covering it up, doing so it gets very complex because all the time the basic message is you've got to look like you're okay. Otherwise you get more of that negative stuff. So you try to look like you're okay and there's also all this un-okay stuff happening. But you're trying to look like you're okay so you sort of try and hold that back. Don't express it. Don't show it. Maybe don't even acknowledge it to yourself. So these, these this can be this quite... So all that requires more moral constriction, holding it in. Try not to feel um, inadequate or useless or hurt or whatever. Mm. These are the kind of things that people can be experiencing. Mm. So self-acceptance is really the first uh, thing we 
whatever you know we we try to at least get in touch with all of, all of that personal wounding personal bashes dents afflictions bits that haven't really grown strong and confident bits that have been rebuffed bits that have felt neglected mm-hmm. so this is so self-acceptance doesn't mean we're making a self uh, a permanent entity out of it but you're entering to you might say the sub-personal or you know that which is beneath just beneath the personality mm-hmm. the, the the inner world of our moving stuff which isn't always looking so good and uh, so that our <coughs> sense with this is to you know to know this because we start to loosen up some of our our constrictions in the body <coughs> and throat the face breathing in breathing out just loosening up this somatic restriction and then beginning to be more fully aware and as you're tracking or as you're meditating you get a sense of this some of this restlessness or dullness and then various thoughts and impressions can come come up and memories and things we feel regret over and these uh, memories these uh, reflex memories are often um, assembled out of the uh, difficult pieces or the wounded pieces or the, the dented pieces or the neglected pieces mm-hmm. so they're, they're assembled you've got a, some kind of feeling of inadequacy and a memory gets assembled and one thing that's very um, useful to remember <laughs> about memory is memory is never never accurate it's always in some ways it's accurate in the, the, the tone of it is an accurate sense of this is what's happening for you now regret or guilt but the incident that you remember that's not actually true now you may think it's true because you don't anything to compare it with but uh, it's, it's not true it's, it's assembled it's a, a construction a reconstruction it has elements of truth in it but it's often wildly caricatured wildly distorted by um, by the uh, by this tonal quality by so if you feel guilty you know and you have a memory suddenly you're completely steeped in moral turpitude <laughs> and everybody else is snow white you know <laughs> which wasn't the case you know everybody was gray and there were things and things you did accidentally you take as being your fault you know or things so so it's highly distorted highly distorted yeah. memory is a reconstruction is a construction the act the truthfulness of it is is a tr- the emotional tone of it is a true indication of something that's present for you now and that which is present for now is searching around to construct a story to uh, solidify it <laughs> to give it some reality so you can have nostalgia you think, oh the wonderful wonderful how great it was it was so nice you know ten years ago we were so happy no you weren't <laughs> <laughs> you had some happiness or some happy moments but it was more or less the same as it is now actually you know, you just pick up one particular image and you keep polishing it and polishing it and polishing it till it becomes lustrous, you know. Happiest days of my life. 
But in the, when you were there, you weren't thinking these are the happiest days of my life. At that time, you were thinking, oh, I'm going to get out of here and do, <laughs> do something else. <laughs> now we can think it's the happiest days of our life. In a few weeks' time, you're about to look on, back on this retreat and think, oh, that was the happiest time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that good news? <laughs> or you could say it was the most miserable time in my life and I've come through it so either way you win <laughs> and now what is it is it happy is it miserable probably flickers and changes isn't it <laughs> that's what it is that's what it always is <laughs> flickers and changes but then particular pieces that felt significant for you you know, and you get a strong impression that that charge, that kind of uh, that emotional thing, kind of creates a dent or a groove, and then all your con- creative energy flows down that groove and constructs it in line with that particular that particular groove. So this constructing, you know, this is. And then uh, this creates a kind of uh, 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 mental karma, mental um, a mental uh, current. So we then we can keep reliving that out. This is what I am. I am a person who didn't do very, very well in the retreat. I'm not a good meditator. So yada yada, you know. Uh, so you can remember it like that, and that can stay with you as what you are. And then dependent on that, you then act. Uh, you know, I'm not very good at this, and so on. So it creates a potential for karma. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha said about karma, a very interesting um, dialogue he had with someone who said, "Well, as I see it, everything you, everything do you inherit, you inherit, uh, you inherit those actions. You inherit all the actions you've done." And the Buddha said, no, I don't see it that way. Uh, I see it as you inherit the results of the actions. And what's the difference? He said, if you inherited everything you've done, you know, you'd be here forever because, you know, you're always doing a bit more, aren't you? You're never lessening your actions. Inheriting the results of what you've done is you inherit the net impressions of your actions. So he said, you take the case of a bloody murderer. Yeah. So now, a bloody murderer, probably if he's working hard, only does one person a day. That's enough murdering you know, for one day, take a break. So say he takes, a, you know, how long it takes to murder somebody? 20 minutes maybe. You know, machine gun can do it quite quickly. So he gets all those hours off of murdering every day. So he's mostly Snow White, you see, he's just got a few little blemishes. So like he's 90% clean and he's got a little few blemishes. So you think in that case then if you just tipped it up, totted up the, 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 the you added all the sums up, you say, well this guy's basically on a winner because he's 90% of him is not murdering. So he's going up, you know. But, but it's so, because he only does one action a day. Now, most people don't murder every, people every day. But if you murdered one person in your life, then even though you only, you only did it once, still the result of it is you remember it intensely because it's such a powerful 
emotional and psychological current of violence is such a like a hot wire going through butter it just cuts right into you so that creates an enormously deep groove with a lot of intensity in it so so that's what you inherit you inherit the result of that so this means I remember somebody I was talking to and he he killed he killed his wife and he'd go around and he'd sort of be very moody and then people would come and he said you know I'm a murderer you know and he frightened people because he got this thing about being a murderer and actually though he had killed her it's true it wasn't quite as dark as as it sounds you know there'd been some kind of quarrel and he they both I think they'd both been drinking and there was some kind of fight and it accidentally you know he killed her so he had to go to jail for that he spent so many years in jail and came out and he still had this impression of what he'd done and it weighed on him all the time for the rest of his life hmm. now you know that was only one action and perhaps not an action done with clear intent or uh, you know something that in heated moment hmm. still he remembered that you know so that stays there that stays there so we have to now there was another case the Buddha the famous case in the life of the Buddha of the murderer Angulimala who murdered 999 people before he met the Buddha and he had this vow to top a, th- a thousand people and, uh, and it's a long story why but he had his vow to, to kill a thousand people and he was as he was walking to look for his thousandth person he saw his mother coming along the road and the Buddha recognized this as hey this is serious I'd better get there so he came along and the Buddha kind of walked along so that Angulimala would go for the Buddha because if he kills his mother this is really really you know this is the end um, so I'll, ta- I'll be the decoy so he gets in the way and the Angulimala tries to catch him and the Buddha because he's got particular this is a story right particular psychic powers he's able to keep walking ahead Angulimala can't catch up with him and he's saying hey you stop stop I want to do some murdering you know it's <laughs> <laughs> my job and the, <laughs> the Buddha says I have stopped he says, I've stopped, I've stopped, I've stopped all harmful action. That's why I've stopped. So Angulimala kind of pauses with that and says, This is a very brave, you know, person. He's turning around facing me. He's got no arms, no weapons, gentle, peaceful, he's not defensive. He's just telling me the truth. It hits him. Anyway, the, the story is that the Buddha kind of talks to him about the results of action and so forth and uh, Angulimala decides to become a disciple and practices meditation and becomes completely enlightened in our hunt so despite all this incredibly heavy karma he's able to come through that yeah. now this must have taken a great degree of self-acceptance <laughs> and uh, various other things so it's always good to remember if you haven't killed 990, a thousand people, you, you, you haven't done no worse than Angulimala. So you, you're a, you've got all the possibilities of realizing Nibbana. Anybody done more than 999? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're all on the winning streak then. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
not yet. <laughs> but yet we can uh, feel incredible anguish and despair and despond over, you know, swearing at your dad or something or, you know, calling your mother a bad name or, you know, or, or, or the other way around, you know, being hurt or insulted or abused. That can stay with us. So we have to go back to these karmic wounds and cut and scratches and blemishes and just feel you now that the real practice of self-acceptance is you're feeling that but also you start to sense you know what actually is there now when we come in assuming there's a fixed person there you know this is an assumption what we can sense directly is not a fixed person but an emotion a conflict and not wanting to feel something uh, and then a, a sense of who we are arising out of that feeling guilty feeling embarrassed feeling awkward feeling stupid feeling ugly feeling unwanted you know that's not a person that's not a self that's that's a that's a, an emotional uh, presentation then we identify with it we take it as a self so we just, in a way, the self-acceptance is to really stop pushing that away and stop holding on to it, but to sense that. You know, and then coming back into your body, steadying in your body, practicing kindness. doesn't mean excusing doesn't mean saying I meant well doesn't mean anything on a cognitive level of defending excusing justifying who's right who's wrong but just we're all right right we're all wrong welcome to the club you know everybody's in this kind of confusion experience and right now what we can do is generate a sense of acceptance warmth towards this just like you're you're sensing that self as like a, a, a sick or wounded creature and your attitude towards it is one of compassion and kindness and take, taking your time with that now this doesn't mean that when we then we feel oh we can do whatever we like because you realize it takes a lot of work to clear this stuff so you don't want to be laying down anymore tracks if you can avoid it because <laughs> it takes a lot of doing you know, to go through that process and similarly you don't want to be picking up other people's stuff if you don't have to so when people are being nasty or manipulative or whatever you want to stay in your body stay in your sense of may I be well I'm okay you know and don't pick up. Doesn't mean doesn't mean don't listen, but just don't let that. You know, maybe he's right. Maybe I did get it wrong. That's interesting. Okay, thank you very much. I'll try better in the future. That's enough. We don't have to take it in as some kind of personal ultimate statement. Now, this way, we're able to receive uh, critical comments of others, saying, "Yeah, I can accept the criticism, but." Uh, I, I don't need the anger you can put that to one side just tell me 
and I'll see what I can do about it. But with the anger, that's that's I know that's difficult. Why don't you just try and breathe in and relax that? Because <laughs> it doesn't make it any easier <laughs> for any of us. <laughs> you know. And then when people are, you know, there's that sense of anger or whatever, then this is something that you don't want to accept. Feel it as an energy and maintain your own centre, your own presence. So for this we begin to, I mean this is just very rough isn't it? A lot of it's not that crude. But we can find ourselves trying to uh, avoid what we fear might happen. Like, let me do this and do this, I won't get blamed. Let me do this and that on the other side, I'll look all right. Let me make sure I get this so that I won't be looked down upon. You know, you end up running around. You've got a kind of silent jury sitting behind you going, ah, see, she's done it wrong. <laughs> I knew. You know. So you're always trying to defend yourself from this silent jury. We're always waiting to... Ah, got it. Here she is. Told you. She's lazy. <laughs> She's inadequate. She can't, she can't think straight. She's stupid. You know, <laughs> you know the fault-finding mind. And uh, in the meditation business, in the enlightenment business, there's a very large jury can be a very large jury. Yeah. Doesn't sit very well. Mind wanders. Not really committed. Not very pure. There goes another ugly thought. Confused. Not mindful at all. <laughs> Never going to get samadhi. Disgrace. <laughs> Pretentious as well. <laughs> Sitting here pretending. What are they trying to do? What's he trying to prove? <laughs> Pretentious. <laughs> Selfish could be out doing a d- decent day's work instead of sitting here on his bum, wasting <laughs> his time fantasizing. <laughs> Pretentious, lazy, selfish, incompetent, heedless, mindless, <laughs> confused, depraved, impure, not committed, and so forth. And another thing, <laughs> thinks too much. <laughs> you know, so you can have this jury, and all this jury can be, you know, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, all standing behind you, going, "This one's a write-off." You know. <laughs> so you w- want to get out of the Enlightenment circus, <laughs> where you're in the Enlightenment courtroom, as to who is and who isn't, and how, you know. So you're finding your own space, you know, and your integrity to acknowledge, you know, this state of being as it is. Realize it's never going to get cleared by the jury. It's never going to get cleared in the tribunal of the mind. It's never going to get cleared there. It'll only get cleared in the warmth of the heart. 
not purely by the warmth of the heart, but warmth of the heart, and then that sense of yes, I, yes, I can, I can, yes, I can. You know, we're offering ourselves some dignity, we're offering ourselves some self-respect, and then oh yes, I can. You know, then you, you start to find yes, you can, yes, you can. For a moment, you can. And that's what we need, just that toehold on the moment. And a moment, and a moment, and a moment, and a moment, and you walk out of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Out of the rehashing of the past, out of the fear of the future, out of the projections of the others, what the others think. Away from the sense of trying to be some final finished self, you walk into the unfinished openness finding your way as path and some of this stuff is uh, is sort of buried so but there are particular uh, you notice particular patterns and there are four fundamental trajectories that will take you into the courtroom or into this unhealthy place one is the trajectory of the past, rehashing past. You're, now your mind is creating the past, you know, painting it with the colour of what you haven't worked, what, where you're not clear in the present. Mm-hmm. The longing, the regrets and so forth. So you're going to start rehashing the past as a, there's a sign you're going into the into the courtroom again. The past, the future, what I will be, what I might not be, what I should be, what I ought to be, how long will it take me to be, when will I get there to be, you're going into the future, going back into the courtroom again. (laughs) So just when you see a sense of that happening, where are you now? Feeling anxious, okay that's fair enough, feeling anxious. Feel the feeling, breathing in, breathing out, coming back into your body. You're okay, you know. So you come out of that. Past the future, the sense of self is another courtroom job. (laughs) And your sense of others, the others, what they think of me, what they not saying to me but think secretly what they're too polite to mention about me what they're going to tell me once they're not being polite what they might think what they'll do if what they'll do if I don't be back in the courtroom again so self others, future and past these are all, as soon as your mind starts to crystallise around these things, make these things into solid scenarios Recognize what's happening in your heart, what's happening on the emotional level, the nervousness, the whatever, you know, breathing in, breathing out. So it, it's, it's in a way the, the nub of the practice is very simple, but the mind is very, it can get complex over these creations and they mesmerize us and we, we, move, we miss this very simple point of the present, the here, the now, which is not self, 
There is no permanent, abiding, lasting entity there. There's an openness, there are factors, there's potentials for good and for bad, but there's no final, finished or finishable being there. There's no one there to get built up. There's nothing there to get solid. If you really feel this moment moment of opening, trust the openness, trust the, the apparent nothing, the apparent emptiness because yeah. that will be the place where these these painful things can, can deconstruct they start to dissolve and wither in that, in that openness <coughs>